Panamanian. You're coming out of a 15-year-old vehicle going into something brand new. It is, it's almost overwhelming the amount of electronics that are in these cars today. Welcome to cyberspace. I'm lost in the fog. Everything's digital. I'm still analog. When something goes wrong, I don't have a clue. The Car Doctor. Power steering racks and brake calipers are probably the two biggest problem components in the automotive aftermarket right now in terms of getting good replacement parts. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, it's time to start your engines. Hello and welcome. Ron and Amy and the Car Doctor here at 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number, 855-560-9900. Call, leave a message. If we're not here, uh, Tom Ray, executive producer, will call you back. He puts you in the 24-7 queue and gets you up here for the next live broadcast at uh, Saturday afternoons, 2 to 4 p.m. East Coast time. And let me point out, if you're a podcaster, if you're on an affiliate that's taking the show at a different time zone, you can call 855-560-9900. And I know this is like not the most technical thing in the world to understand, but some people are confused. So you can call 855-560-9900 between 2 and 4 p.m. on Saturday. And even though you don't hear the show where you are, we'll be here and we'll answer the phone. Mikey, stop it. I'm going to come over there and hit you. So uh, my board op is looking at me like, huh? He doesn't understand it either. These millennials, I don't get these kids. Um, anyway, good guy. Oh, I love, they're all good. So a um, couple things to point out. We've got a lot of bad weather going on right now, right? Hurricanes, Hurricane Dorian. And we were talking about this. And, you know, besides the, the, the obvious and the tragedy of the human side of it and the cost of dollars, and we were talking about this last hour, uh, during the off break we were talking, Mikey asked me actually, he said, what's the long-term effect on cars? And I said, you know, Mike, the, the issue is that we're going to forget in three, four months from now, we're going to have issues. We could have issues with water and fuel and vehicles not running well when the weather turns cold now in certain parts of the country. So, uh, you know, it, it, it makes a great argument for using more of or to be more aware if you're a mechanic or if you're going in to see your mechanic Ask them, hey, you know, depending on where you are and what part of the country, do I need to use a gas line antifreeze? Uh, do I need to be more aware of where I'm purchasing my fuel? And, you know, it's it's a problem and it's a concern. Um, you know, we we use Gold Eagle. We use Stable in the shop. Their, uh, their gas line antifreeze and water remover works really well. You may want to also. Um, you know, to start looking and thinking about that because products like stable gas line antifreeze and, and, and water remover are going to help you, um, you know, with the issues as far as, you know, if you're in a hurricane area. Um, I, I've always taught my family, you know, even in non-hurricane times, if I can say it like that, you know, you purchase fuel. I always look to see where the gas station's tanks are, you know. Are they at the low end of the lot? You know, is that the place where the water run off? Because I always wonder when the guy opens the, the nozzles. I remember that as a kid working in a couple of um, well, sleazy gas stations, and I didn't know any better. And uh, it came to me later on that, you know, the, the, the gas tank would show up, that the tanker would show up, and the guy would just pull the cork. Yeah, it's a little bit of water. What harm is it going to do? <laughs> you know, now imagine, you know, that in, in a modern-day car. So uh, products like stable water remover and, and, and fuel line antifreeze 
Good stuff. Something to think about. More information at goldeagle.com. Let's get over and uh, let's just start the phones. I had a conversation I wanted to have about a car, but uh, you know what? There's just too much going on here. Let's go over to Kyle in Wisconsin. Kyle, you're on with the car doctor, sir. What's going on? Uh, hey, how's it going? Good, sir. Uh, you guys had a caller in last week who was talking about having some issues with a signal between the car and a proximity remote. And I happen to be an automotive locksmith who has had experience correcting this type of issue. So I wanted to pass that information on to your listeners. Absolutely. Go ahead. Um, so what happens is each of these vehicles has anywhere between three and seven antennas that detect the proximity remote. So it sounded like your listener was having problems with the proximity portion of that remote. So most of these vehicles have an insert, emergency insert key, and on vehicles in the U.S. market, there is a mechanical access point. Most of the time, these are on the driver's door. Sometimes they're hidden behind a piece of plastic, but that mechanical key will get you into the vehicle. Once you have the key, once you're into the vehicle, the proximity system antennas then can detect if you're in the vehicle or not. If his remote was still not detecting it, then there, most vehicles have a, a override system for the transponder, which is the second half of that remote, which is a near-field communication. So you can check his owner's manual because sometimes it's in the cup holder or sometimes there's a slot in the glove box or the center console. Or on some of them, um, I personally have a 2014 Nissan Altima as well. And for me, if the remote battery is dead or not being detected by the vehicle, mine I hold right up next to the start-stop button, and then my vehicle will start. So he has lots of options about how to get that vehicle to be able to start to get to a mechanic to, to address the issue. Um, and it has happened with both batteries that are low in the front as well as vehicle batteries that are low, because all of those antennas need power as well. Right. How long have you been an automotive locksmith? Uh, six years. And w what changes have you seen in six years, Kyle? Uh, it is night and day. These systems are getting more and more complex. Uh, they're also broadcasting at different frequencies. So um, some of the new uh, vehicles, particularly the domestics, the Chevrolets and the Fords, most remotes that you see from the early 90s all the way through today are broadcasting around 315 megahertz. Some of these new ones are broadcasting up to 900 megahertz, so you have more interference that could be causing issues as well. Um, so if they have other things in their pocket, like a cordless phone from a, from a landline or even cell phones can sometimes interfere with the signal transmission as you get more complex frequencies going back and forth. And, and the price... So everything is computerized now. And, and, and the price of the replacement keys is just out of sight, right? It is. And so this is one thing that an automotive locksmith can help you with is sometimes they're able to secure uh, refurbished remotes and sometimes they're able to have the OEM channels work with them as well. So they may be able to provide you some cost savings. I know in, in our area... Some of the dealerships for uh, some shops are three, four hundred bucks, and I can supply those to my customers for somewhere between one hundred and seventy and two hundred. So there are lots of different options available. Uh, whether it's OEM or aftermarket, reputable locksmiths will be able to tell you where they're sourcing their stuff, as well as whether it's OEM electronics or aftermarket. Because some vehicles are just picky when it takes when it comes to programming. Uh, off the top of my head, uh, Toyota. And Lexus remotes tend to be very, very picky with anything aftermarket. Those, you're going to need to find somebody who is going to be able to supply you with OEM electronics. Right. Uh, the remotes are very, very picky. And some vehicles, some vehicles you, you plug and play, you 
push it in and it'll take the programming right away. Some vehicles require, you know, extra battery voltage. So even though the battery in the car may be good during programming, they may need to hook up to a charger to ensure that there's 13, 14, even 15 volts there to be able to program a new key to the vehicle. Uh, let me, let me... That's one thing that's becoming more common with the newer vehicles is uh, the higher voltage is required. The, um, the attraction of that Chinese remote on eBay sure diminishes when they find out it doesn't really work well with the vehicle, right? I can't tell you how many people have come into my shop with remotes that they've purchased on the Internet and were surprised when it didn't work. Yeah. And then I show them the difference, and I can physically take the electronics out and show them the physical difference between an imported remote and an OEM remote, and just the, the electronics look completely different. Right. Uh, sometimes you get lucky in the program, but sometimes they won't. And uh, I would say our hit rate in our shop for internet purchase remotes that are imported is probably around 30 to 40%. Amazing. Most of them don't work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and, and who do you go back and complain to? Kyle, I want to thank you for taking the time. I know you're busy. It's a Saturday. I know you got a lot going on there and uh, I want to thank you. We turned this sort of into a mini interview and I'm, I'm, I'm glad you, uh, I'm glad you called in. Let's, let's chat again in the future, brother. You got a lot of information yeah. in that head. I want to share it out on the airwaves. All right, Tom, will reach out to you. Sounds good. All right, sir. You take good care. 855-560-9900. The car doctor is cruising back right after this. Ron's number handy, 855-560-9900, for when you really need advice on your car. Here's Ron. Bob in Maine, you're up next. What's going on, Bob? Bob. How you doing, Ron? Good, sir. How are you? Good. I was listening to your show a couple weeks ago. and Thank you. Uh, I was like, man, I, I could talk to this guy for hours, you know. And, <laughs> like, I really don't even know where to start with you, but yeah. uh, you were talking about all the places you had just vacationed in. Cape, Cape Cod, Cod and Cape Cod, yeah. I had just been, I just been through all those towns like in July, maybe a week or two before you. Yeah, nothing and, like nothing uh, like the Cape. It's great. It's beautiful. Yeah. You mentioned about a conversation you were having with your brother-in-law, I think it was, or, yeah. or brother. Yeah, about brother a hybrid. Uh, yeah. And quite, uh, coincidentally, at while I'm listening to your show, I was delivering a hybrid Pacifica with uh, one of the sales dealership that I work at, our dealership, and we've had that vehicle for a year and a half and couldn't sell it up in this area because it uh, just really hasn't caught on. You know, we're a rural section. So I, I guess maybe we can, I, I could throw my question out based on that. You know, it's, uh, my, in my opinion, I think the internal combustion engine has long past its prime, you know what I mean, it needs to go away. I mean, with all the emission controls they pumped onto these things, and, uh, all the things you're doing to try to squeeze more and more fuel miners on them, it's just adding so much complexity and expense to the consumer when these things break down and these systems break down. Um, I, I personally think the expense of maintaining all these emission controls and uh, gas-saving features 
the cost to maintain them and repair them when they break is far going to exceed any savings you're going to get out of squeezing a few more extra drops of gas out of it. So your, your question to me? So because the question, I guess, is when do you think the, the maybe not even hybrid, but like full electric vehicles are going to be the majority, if you will, maybe not the I don't know. You know, and this is majority. this is exactly what Clay and I were talking about in front of the in front of the Ben and Jerry's having that ice cream cone that night. You know, where's that turning point? Where does the buggy whip go away? You know that they they were asking themselves back in the early 1900s about horses and the horse and buggy. When does that buggy whip go away? You know, just recently, I don't know if you saw it, but I have an article in front of me from PC Magazine dated September 3rd of this year that that they're reporting that on Labor Day. The app that allowed Tesla drivers to unlock the car and, and start it went out because the servers at Tesla went down. <laughs> so so imagine you're coming out with your handful of groceries and you hit the you hit the button and um, uh, you uh, you you go to you know open the car and it won't. So you know they were, I understand in some cases they were out for like three hours. Um, they were out for three hours, and, and, and at that point, it, it's... So the answer to the question is, I don't know. I think a lot more infrastructure has to be built up. I don't think it's a case of how expensive is the gas engine to maintain, just my opinion, and I'm no expert, but, you know, how expensive is the gas engine to maintain, but I think it's also a matter of how can the infrastructure support it, and that's an economic question, and that's a, no pun intended, a mechanical question. That's a, a structural question. Can we support it? Um, look how few Teslas are out there in percentage comparison to the number of gasoline and or hybrid vehicles. And they have some servers go down and a, a, a bunch of them. They don't give an exact number, um, but it's enough to generate a story. Um, can't get into the car and they can't start it. And, you know, thank God nobody, it was no life and death situation. Nobody had to get to the hospital, a doctor, a broken leg, pick up a kid at school that was left standing outside in the dark, that kind of thing. So the potential for disaster is is huge. Um, Bob, you're right. you got to call back, brother. We're going to have to talk about this more and more because uh, you and I could sit down and talk for hours, but I, uh, I appreciate the thought. Let's get over to Tim in Florida, 1900 Dodge Ram, and uh, some questions about a lift. Yes, Tim, how can I help, sir? Hey, how's it going? Good. I have a quick question. Um, so I was looking at doing a suspension lift on my new truck that I just got. Um, I have one of those unlimited powertrain warranties for life thing. Um, as long as you do all the service and I really don't want to ruin that right. or so I, it's not worth me lifting the truck if I'm going to ruin that. I just want to know, like, I know the Magnuson act, basically they have to prove that, um, it was related to the suspension lift. But the other question I, I guess I, I had is, that, have you ever heard of any like serious problems happening? Um, I have a reputable mechanic doing the lift kit. Um, I just want to know if there's any problems that would be related to the powertrain. I've seen some issues with the Ford. Now, I didn't do the lift, so I can't attest as to why, but I have seen some issues with the Fords. Primarily what happens is I think they lift it, they put a bigger tire on it, they put a big monster tire on it, and obviously that changes the final gear ratio and the diffs, and then that affects vehicle calculation for load speed and so on. So, you know, as long as it, it's tuned to the correct size so it references the correct rear-end gear ratio, uh, you know, in, in that sense, you should be fine. Will the manufacturer okay. will the manufacturer look at it that way? That's a manufacturer question. 
and I, I think that's something you have to ask them. Uh, you know, it's one thing I've learned, if a car company is looking for a way out, they'll find it, and they'll take it. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's human nature. Uh, you know, if they're going to sit there and say, well, you know, a, a, a tire that's this much bigger and this much wider puts that much more torque to the ground and the drivetrain wasn't designed to handle that, then we're not going to, you know, we're not going to cover the warranty. Um, you know, maybe it's their leg out. I don't know that Magnuson Moss covers that. I believe Magnuson Moss, I, my understanding of Magnuson Moss Warranty Act of 1975 was strictly that if they're telling you that you have to use their parts to maintain the vehicle under warranty, they have to give them to you. That, to me, was the gist of how I understood Magnuson Moss. It's not referencing whether or not doing that lift or putting a supercharger on it or other modification will void the warranty. That's probably a question that you would look up either Apex or SEMA out on the web and talk to their corporate people and ask them, explain the situation, and see what sort of an answer you get from them. And if they give you something different, by all means, give us a call back, Tim, because that's, a, that's really a great question because it would limit how, the, how, how, the, how the, the, the guy who's making the lift kit, can he sell that lift kit legally in the States and allow it to be used or are people going to have problems? Um, but uh, just understand what you're doing and just make sure your mechanic has the ability to program it for whatever size tires you're going to put on that as a final lift. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Okay. So, but um, when you get done with it, send us a picture. <laughs> oh, most definitely will. All right, all right brother. Good luck to you. Um, right. Thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, all this is, you know, the price of technology. You know, it's... Um, uh, it's 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 just it's staggering what's what's going on out there. It really is. I, I I wonder what it's all about. Hey, real quick piece of email. This comes to us from Eric in Los Angeles. Eric says he's got a 2014 Honda Civic, and he's trying to replace some ignition coils, higher mileage, and he wants to know what I think of Motorrad ignition. He didn't realize Motorrad makes ignition coils. Yes, that's right, they do. He says, I know they make good thermostats. He goes, what do you know about their ignition components? I can tell you this, Eric. Uh, Motorrad has come out with a complete line of OEM emission control components, coils, mass airflow sensors, that. And they are as good as their thermostat line. Excellent stuff made to OEM specs. So, yeah, by all means, find out more at Motorrad.com. I'm Ron Anany in the car, Doctor. I'll be back right after this. Welcome back. Running into the car doctor, 855-560-9900 is the phone number. Cardoctorshow.com is the website. Let's go over to Phil in Catskills, New York. Phil, welcome to the car doctor. Hey, Ryan. Nice yeah. to talk to you. Yes, sir. You too. Um, I, I started listening to your uh, podcast uh, early this summer, and not that I've ever done anything more than I like, change my own oil, but I kind of like listening to it. It gives me kind of like a critical path of thinking when things do inevitably go wrong with the car. and. And I become an educated consumer. But what I called about was uh, last week, I believe it was, I have to remember when their podcasts, yeah. you were talking to an elderly lady and you advised her. She was wondering whether to put money into a car or just get a new car. And she mentioned something that she'd probably only be driving for a couple more years. And you advised her to put the money into the car. She knows what everything, everything is in the car. She's used to it. She's driving. And I was like, yes. 
because I had taken uh, an AARP um, defensive driving course. You know, they give you a discount on your insurance. And uh, it's exactly what they talk about. They actually mention about, you know, keeping your car there as long as you can because you're familiar with it. You know where the controls are. You know where everything is. You don't have to think about it. And rather than trying to learn on the fly, especially in an emergency situation. So just wanted to call you up and say that it was perfect advice as far as at least AARP and their insurance uh their uh, discount insurance. Thank you. You know, and, and, and thanks, Phil. I appreciate that. I really do. I, I, you know, good feedback, good or bad. You know, I like I like hearing from you guys what I'm doing right, what I'm doing wrong, and I try to correct it when I am. Um, you know, one of the things in keeping a car is I always I, I always take into consideration the rust factor, and I always take into consideration the what if factor. And she already passed both. She said the car had no rust, the car was in good shape. I remember it was a, if I remember right, it was a Toyota Corolla or a Camry. Uh, from yeah. like 0203, something like that. Elderly woman, she was about 79, 80 years old. And, you know, I remember thinking to myself, well, she passed the what-if test and she passed the rust test. The car had no rust and she passed the what-if. What if the trans blew up? She was already putting an engine in it, so if the trans failed, she'd put a trans in it and still drive it another five years because it was a, it was a cheap enough car and she knew where everything was. You know, sometimes, yeah. I, sometimes I wonder, and I think real quick, before I let you go, I wonder if some of this erratic driving we see on the road where people... I, I had to go out to LaGuardia Airport this morning here in New York, and some guy pulled out on the Major Deegan just like I wasn't even in the lane. And, you know, you wonder, is it because they don't know the controls of the vehicle and they're busy looking for something else? And are we so distracted by the mirage, the, 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 the myriad? What would be the correct English word? I don't know. Somebody will tell me. They'll write me an email. And um, uh, the, the display of, of technology on the dashboard, they were so busy trying to find the radio on-off button that we can't drive the vehicle anymore. And, you know, when does that, where, where's that turning point? Where's that mark where we say, hey, enough is enough? And I don't know where that is, but um, I, I, I take your points to heart, sir, and I thank you very much, and you have a good rest of the afternoon. Thank you. Uh, Stephen, Virginia. Stephen, welcome to the car doctor, sir. What's going on? Ron, I'm right here. First off, what you just said, myriad, is the correct word. Thank you. I knew Stephen would, I knew Stephen would know the answer to this. No. Uh, Got to remember, I'm just an ignorant mechanic, um, So, but that's the way it's made. What's going on, Stephen? How are you today? Well, I've been ignorant of cars since the 70s. But yeah. anyway, uh, here's the deal. I have a 2013 Honda Civic LX Coupe, 126,800 miles. And I think it's time, very soon, if not now, for radiator, hoses, water pump, thermostat, radiator cap. The dealer says, eh, don't worry about it. Now, I got another quote from a quote from another dealer to do all of that I mentioned except for the water pump and it's it's right around fourteen hundred bucks. So A, should I do it somewhere and B, that's a little high if you ask me. So there's my question. Well and I think I'd add one more component to that, Stephen. I think I'd add a ra- I think I'd add an A C condenser to it because here's Ooh, here's wow. well here's what I here's what I think about, you know, radiators and condensers and, and the age of the car. What's the frontmost part of the vehicle? Radiator and the condenser. What's taken all the brunt of all the slop and the bad weather and that truck that you were stuck behind on I-95 in the snowstorm and it's kicking all that salt and corrosion up? The bumper, the radiator, and the condenser. The bumper gets discolored. We don't care. If the condenser and the radiator have an issue, we do. When you're in the proximity of that radiator, a lot of times today, you're, you're, you're so close to the condenser or you have to remove the condenser to replace the radiator, it's the price of a part. So if we're going to do this, 
Uh, why not? You know, what is it? What's, an, what's, what's a condenser? Another 200 bucks. Now, would I do it? Um, I think you're a tad early, but I think you're only a tad early by a little bit. Because I know you. You're going to, Stephen, full disclosure, right? Uh, Stephen has been to the shop a couple of times. I've known Stephen over the years working on his cars and here on radio. I know him, you know, through radio working for him this way. Um, you're going to drive that car until it stops, right, Steve? 300,000 miles? No. I think it's more economical to maybe quit it, too. Uh, and, and I'm going to make sure the next one doesn't have that start-stop technology, which I don't care for. Well, if you're going to drive this to two... Yeah. Are you driving long distance with it, Steve? I sure am. I just did a 230-mile trip. Uh, you know, when you guys called the first time, I was 180 miles from home. Okay. Then, yeah, you know what? For peace of mind, I say put a radiator hoses and a radiator cap and a thermostat and a water pump. By all means, now's the moment, all right? And uh, obviously fresh coolant, and just have them take a real good look at the condenser. I like the idea. Um, as far as parts pricing, you've got to think there's somewhere between half and three-quarters of a day's labor there. So if the shop's, yeah. if the shop is, you know, $125 an hour, there's got to be eight $900 in, in labor. Uh, if I'm doing my math right, or 800 bucks in labor, and you've got to have... A radiator's got to be two two fifty, and then the rest of the stuff. There's got to be five hundred dollars in material, so fourteen hundred doesn't sound that far off. Uh, and like I said, just for giggles, add the price of the uh, AC condenser to it, and see what that number uh, does to that, and uh, go from there. Stephen, if you're in the area, stop in. But uh, as always, sir, I appreciate the call. Let's go over to Joshua in Wisconsin, and uh, see what's going on here. Joshua, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. Hey, Ron, how you doing? Okay, what's going on? Hey, I got a question. Oh, I always have questions. Okay. Um, but uh, I've heard the term. It, it sounds like it's poured to me, but I I got to imagine it's an issue in other uh, brands. But stiction? Stick. What is it? Stiction? Stiction. Yes. Stiction. So, yes. Yeah, so there's, uh, I think it's Arch Archer Oil makes a product. And they claim that in Fords, there is a knocking or ticking noise that comes about at certain mileage and uh, put the product in. It takes care of the problem. And I'm are, are we being that are, are we, curious on this. Are we talking about, are they talking about a lifter tap? That, that very well uh, sounds correct. That very well could be. But I'm not 100% sure. I've right. heard the term, but I don't know exactly. Yeah, because I'm not familiar with the term stiction, if, if that's the correct okay. pronunciation. Uh, but I think what you're referencing is either lifter tap, lifter noise, or possibly timing chain noise, uh, which some of the Fords get, depending upon your make and model. As they get older, they get over the 150,000-mile mark. It's not uncommon that they get to 125,000 miles. Um, one of the downsides on a lot of the cars today is as manufacturers have touted their go longer and longer on oil changes, and this will generate a bunch of email today too, um, is I, I see the problem with varnish and sludge and low-tension oil rings getting sticky stuck, uh, doing all sorts of strange things that um, create the problem, and uh, it's traced back to oil and, and, and as well as lifter noise, lifter tap, lifter's tick, 
and so on. We had a um, point of reference. We had a 2012 Honda Odyssey in the shop on Thursday with uh, 82,000 miles on it. It was fouling out number three spark plug. And the bulletin that came out June of this year specifically talked about problems with the rings lining up, getting stuck in their grooves, and creating a fouling condition and an oil consumption issue. So now he's headed over to the Honda dealer to get it done under extended warranty, which Honda's had their problems. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all back to uh, oil consumption or oil change intervals as the root cause, and a lot of people just don't want to acknowledge that. So, um, you know, but that's just as an aside story. But as far as what stiction is, uh, you know, you'd have to give me a, a, a better pronunciation or an actual spelling of the word. Um, but in any event, Joshua, I hope that did it for you, and I hope I answered your question. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor is coming back right after this. Welcome back. We're on the name of the Car Doctor. Let's get over and talk to Dan in Minnesota. Dan, welcome to the Car Doctor, sir. What's going on? Uh, hello. Can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. What's going on? All right. Yeah, I've got a 2010 Ford F-150 pickup. Okay. It thinks that it's got E85 fuel in it, and uh, no matter what fuel I put in, it seems like it thinks it's got E85. The way I'm determining that is I use a scan tool on it. It's uh, one of those Century brand from uh, basically a local uh, cheap uh, tool supply house. Right. <laughs> but... Uh, it uh, it thinks it's got E85. It's telling me 75% alcohol in the fuel, no matter what fuel I put put in it. Okay, is it got, so any, wondering, got any there got, is a, got any check engine go light on Dan? Got any got any trouble codes go for it? Go check engine lights. Spark plugs are good. They're they're new. Um, I've kind of gone the gamut on it, trying to figure this one out. Well, check the mass airflow. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, does the vehicle run normal? Runs great, but it uses a lot of gas. Okay, so let, let's, let's one, one step at a time, brother. Um, so okay. it, it runs normal, no check engine light, no trouble codes. Correct. Have you plugged in another scan tool? Uh, you know what? I haven't tried a different scan tool. Because how do you know there's not a problem in that scan tool software and the way it's interpreting it? Uh, that's that's a good point. Okay. The other thing I want you to go look for is on that scan tool. Um, is this an OBD2 tool or is this your make model? Uh, no, it's an OBD2 um, scan tool. See if it has a century brand. See if it has a PID, a, a data piece called FF space INF flex fuel inferred value, and see what that number okay. is. Okay. Well, if it's a flex, right. if it's a flex fuel vehicle and it's got it's got E85 in it, flex fuel will generate a uh, an FFINF. Um, it'll change a different value, and it'll show you a difference in value, and you can actually look at the FF uh, with different brands and blends of fuel, et cetera, and, and, you know, is it reading correctly, or do we have a problem? The thing I'm trying to get to is I don't know that it matters, because if I tell you to fix this problem and it is to put a $700 fuel pump in the truck, are you going to do it? Probably not, because the truck <laughs> runs fine. So it's, you know, yeah, it's, 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 you know, listen, you're, you're, you're okay, so I wouldn't get crazy. Second question, I'm running out of time. Okay, second question, uh, 2010 Chrysler 300C, uh, 5.7. Um, it was in an accident. Uh, my wife uh, hit a deer and punched the grill. There's a sensor behind the grill that uh, they call it the, a multifunction sensor, basically used uh, for cruise control, active cruise control. Right, it's probably obsolete. Uh, Chrysler, 
What's that? It's probably obsolete or it's real expensive. Which is it? Um, yeah, it's, well, the thing is, the insurance company can't seem to get a replacement. They did find one. They put it in, but somehow they botched the installation, and they're saying they can't uh, clear the settings on it or something. It needs to have the be programmed to the bin for the car. Right. And it doesn't work. Right. So, Brand new one out of the box. Yeah, well, then you know what? Then they've got to either go back to Chrysler and say, hey, what's the story, or they've got to find a way to do a reset. There's no... There's no miracle shortcuts when it comes to programming, and sometimes programming is a trial and error process. You'll you'll follow the book, and you'll go through this, and I've been through this more than a few times in all the programming I've done, and then sometimes you get to the end and you say, okay, let's start over. What do I have to do? And I just try something to see if it works. Unfortunately, it sounds like maybe somebody made a programming error, and if they did, uh, you know, if that module doesn't allow it to be reset, that's the price of a part, and somebody's going to have to pay for it and start over again. Uh, listen, part of that conversation is, and I mean this, Dan, be glad they could find uh, the module in the first place because a lot of Chrysler stuff, 15 years old, that vehicle is, a lot of Chrysler stuff is going obsolete after seven or eight years. So, um, you know, go back and talk to the insurance company. Your concern is, hey, I want a fixed car. I don't care how I get it. So, um, you know, take it from there. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's back right after this. We're not any of the car doctor. I love you for everything you got, baby. Steven Long Island, you're on with the car doctor. 03 Ford Escape. What's going on, baby? Hey, afternoon, I'm Ron. Yes, sir. Uh, been listening for a long time, all the way back to WOR with Karen Q. And oh, oh, my God. Dude, that love, a million years show, ago. Yeah. 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 And so. we actually met here at a tool, tool show out in uh, Plainview, Long Island, back in the 90s. Oh, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, the well, I'll tell you what, the radio you career has been a long time. Long time. Oh, yeah, because yeah. you had, oh. you had, I met you in the parking lot. You were just pulled up in the pickup, just uh, waking up from taking the long ride down here. Yeah, that sounds like me, sleeping while I'm driving. That's yep. that's the way I make it work. Well, oh. I love the show, man. It's Thank great. You. Thank you. Um, I picked up a 2003 Ford uh, Escape from a neighbor uh, a month ago, You know, especially because of your recommendation of getting one for your daughter and, and talking highly of it. It's the XLS model with right. a uh, six-cylinder four-wheel drive. Right. The, I mean, pristine condition. The only problem I got is I got a slight leak on the oil pan. Okay. And I mean slight. I mean, in one month, it tripped a quarter of a quart of oil. And But the problem is, is the way they have that exhaust wrapping around the back of the uh, pan, when you're driving, it'll drip and it'll hit that, and you'll get that, you know, oil burning odor. Right. So I want to replace the gasket. Can I do that? Is it possible without tinkering with the exhaust no, that's wrapping around the back? To my to my knowledge, that front pipe has to come down. I don't know when because because the, 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 the pipe goes around and underneath the pan, correct? Yes. Yeah, and there is, you know, yeah. Let me tell you how the engineer designed that. The original pipe called for it to miss the oil pan. Then they went to lunch. They had a few, and then they came back and said, you know what? How can we fool around with these people and drive them nuts in the case the oil pan ever has to come down? I'm only kidding. No, sir. The uh, the pipe has to come down. Take a careful look at the studs. If you're going to attempt this yourself, you want to try soaking those studs or bolts, whichever the case might be on this car. Try tightening before you loosen just to see if that cracks anything loose and see what that does for you. And just um, be aware that may not be a gasket. That may be RTV sealer holding the pan to the block itself. Good luck to you and let us know how it works out. I'm Ron Anini, The Car Doctor. The mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. 